Hi there. Welcome to the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, the Fearless Lady, Charlene Light. When I turned 40, I decided to create a really fun challenge for myself by stepping into my fears 40 different ways. I tackled fears around aging, going after my dreams, and even finding true love. This podcast is about that journey and how it transformed my life and how you can start looking at your fear as an invitation to step into your worth, invite more freedom, joy, and fun back into your life. Life can be an adventure. Live the life of your dreams. Well, hello there. Welcome back. Episode three, moving right along here. It's your girl, Charlene, the fearless lady. I want to talk a little bit about the intention um, I had going forward um, with these fearless acts. So as I mentioned, the idea was to do a fearless act every day. And think about that for a moment. You're on this journey and you're going to do 40 fearless acts one a day, and then share these acts on social media. So first of all, I mean, 40 is a lot, right? Secondly, um, what would you choose? Like what, what's the first thing that showed up in your mind right now as something you can do, right? And then think about how you're going to continue that momentum for 40 acts. My intention for this fearless journey was number one, I felt like I said, like I really wanted to um, meet the love of my life. And I felt like I was somehow fear was blocking me in some way and on a real subconscious level. So I thought if I stepped into fear, even just simple things like talking to this, you know, cute stranger um, that I saw, you know, versus just sitting back and letting people come to me. Like if I was starting to do that more often, um, what would that bring me or what, what would happen by the end of this journey? And number two, I was living in New York City at the time, which there's a plethora of, of wonderful things that you can do every day. And I was getting stuck in this routine of taking the subway, going to teach a class, going to meet up with this friend, you know, and I'm somebody that's super spontaneous and I consider myself, um, I constantly try and step out of my comfort zone, but I felt at this point in my life, like there was even more that I can tap into, like how are we all connected? You know, like are the people on the subway that I don't even talk to, like somehow are we connected in some way? Like is the universe sending me these people and I'm just like sitting back, not even talking to anyone? Um, what about my yoga classes? I was teaching 16 classes a week at that point, which is, I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't even know how I did it, but if you're a yoga teacher and you're hustling, I mean, that's how we make our money. So I was running around from class to class and there were people in my classes that I didn't even know, that I would see their faces every week and I didn't even know their name. So my intention was to create community, to get to know people um, and really open my eyes to really fully seeing every day as an adventure, as um, new, as exciting, like kind of entering, you know, my day that seemed like, oh, okay, I know, you know, what my classes are for today. I know what my schedule is, but then adding in these like impulses, like these spontaneous, um, you know, I would feel like an inspiration to do something and then acting on it. You know, how many times do we talk ourselves out of those impulses, right? So intention is so important because, I mean, and I say this in every yoga class, I ask the class, what is, or set an intention for your practice today? You know, what brought you here? What is it that you need? Because when you have an intention, um, your mind will actually activate. And so you'll start to see 
the world around you through the eyes of this intention. So if my intention was number one to fall fall in love or to experience love in some way, um, that's opening my heart. If my intention is to make my world seem smaller in terms of like getting to know these people, like feeling a deeper connection to the strangers, quote unquote, around me, that's also opening me up to seeing everybody as um, like an extension of me, really, essentially. Um, and number three, the intention was to have more fun. So because I was doing something every day, I didn't limit myself to only doing these really challenging things. I was like, and I'll explain to you as I get into number um, three and four of the fearless acts in this episode, it was about doing different things. So if skipping down the street was something new, I was going to skip down the street is what I, my point is. It's like if that was going to make me laugh at myself, if that was going to make me see um, New York City a little differently because I'm skipping down the street, well, then you bet your ass I'm going to skip down the street, which is a really funny, funny. I cannot wait to share that story. It's hilarious. Okay. So intention is important. I often see, um, you know, other people do, oh, I stepped into fear every day for a year. Um, and it's always these really death defying things, um, like, you know, jumping out of an airplane, which is totally scary or public speech speaking, which is also very scary. But I'm talking about the very simple act of following your gut impulse. Like, what do you want to do right now? And then just do it. That's fucking scary, right? Because that is the ultimate act of like faith in yourself and trusting that your gut instinct is right and you're going for it. I mean, we, again, talk ourselves out of doing things. We question ourselves. We're constantly in the space of thinking we don't know what's best for us, which I actually feel as I get older, I come back around to knowing what's best for me, you know? And I've done I've done a deep dive into so many spiritual practices and so many spiritual teachers. And yes, it's great to follow what they say, but ultimately, you have to discern for yourself what's going to work for you. In the beginning, when it was all new, I definitely was following things to a T because I was just so like, give me anything to get out of my old patterns of thinking. And then as you, as you grow spiritually, you start to develop a deeper connection with your higher self and you start to realize how much wisdom you have, you know? And I would encourage everybody, you can sit down right now, meditate, and ask a question, and I guarantee you will get an answer from your own wisdom, from your own highest self. I think what all paths end up leading to is this deeper sense of trusting yourself. Trusting yourself. I cannot, I cannot say that enough. So getting back to this journey, so I had this incredible, wonderful experience in Paris. And I should say that is the first time I ever took a trip by myself to a foreign country where I wasn't with a group and it was just me, um, you know, getting the Airbnb, me deciding to go here, go there, whatever. That was the first time I ever did that. So those of you that have any fear around traveling by yourself as a woman, as single woman, um, I just want to tell you that it's possible and it's incredibly fun because you get to do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Um, and it's so freeing to explore the world through your perspective, 
right? Um, when you're with somebody else, there's a compromise and that's great. And I'm not trying to, um, I don't want this to be about where I'm just like off on this journey by myself. <laughs> like I only want to be alone because that's not it. But there is something really empowering when you get to make those decisions on your own. You know, if you're somebody that's really indecisive, like go out into the world and start figuring, figuring out what it is that you like, what it is that you don't like. I mean, the only way you're going to do it is experience, right? Nobody can give you that but yourself. So I had this incredible experience in Paris on the way back because, again, I had put this pressure on myself to do a fearless act every day. And by the way, I'm on this high, okay? I'm on this high from this amazing experience that I had in Paris. I am flying home. I get into JFK, and I'm in the taxi, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to do a fearless act um, because I don't I, – I mean, I was flying the whole time. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? So I'm in the cab and I had this thought, hmm, I wonder if the cab driver is really interesting or maybe I can work something in with him, right? So I start engaging in conversation and then about, you know, half an hour in, I'm like, okay, there's nothing really that interesting about this guy. What am I going to post today? And then I remembered in Paris that they have these standalone toilets, which kind of looks like, I mean, how can I describe them? I mean, you should Google them, actually. They're called, just do Paris standalone toilets. Um, and they're so cute. They look like these little, little mini, I don't know, like spaceships or something, because there's all these buttons on the outside. And when you press them, the door opens. First of all, Paris is very clean. Um, everything is just clean and charming. I mean, even the homeless in Paris look like they should be in Les Mis or something. <laughs> It's not like the States, right? So going into a public bathroom um, is not as scary as it is in um, New York City at the time, which is where I was living. So I see these standalone um, toilets and I'm like, I have to go. So I don't speak French. I don't know how to read or write French, but I was like, some of these buttons must work. And it's free, by the way. You don't have to pay. So I press a couple of buttons. The door opens and I walk inside and then the door closes. And I just want to read to you what I actually wrote because I decided to post this experience since it was new. And the idea was the fearless act is at trying something that was new, trying something that I've never done before. And certainly that made me laugh. So here goes. I used the public toilet in Paris and it's actually kind of awesome. You press a button on the outside, the door opens, you enter. And this is where I got it wrong the first time. I tried to close the door manually, but the old French man outside started speaking to me in French, which I don't understand, so I got out. Then the door closes, and get this, it proceeds, it proceeds to clean the entire bathroom. It sounds like it's going through a car wash inside, and I was very excited to go enter again and do my business. So I press again, the doors open, I get in, I let the door shut itself, then I do my business and press another few buttons, because let's face it, I can't read French, so I pressed anything I could to get out. And I can hear the French man speaking again outside because he's got to go too. So the door opens, I get out, the door shuts and proceeds to clean again. I wait. The French man waits. He pressed the door, it opens, I wave good luck and he proceeds inside the bathroom. It's really quite an experience. Now back to New York City where such experiences don't exist. So this was hilarious because again, I kept seeing them around um, this really nice part of Paris, La Marais, and uh 
And the idea that it cleans itself, when you walk in after it cleans, it's a little wet on the floor. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this could not exist anywhere but Paris, right? Because there's no way it's so nice and clean. And there'd be homeless people sleeping in this if it was in the States. You know, I had this whole idea. And it was just funny because that French man was like waiting and probably like, what the hell is this girl doing? Um, It was a little challenging to get out because I had no idea what buttons I was trying to push to let me exit. But I did at one point think like, wow, it's so impressive that this exists and like, why wouldn't it exist in the States, you know? So anyways, I posted that and I'm cracking myself up. I go home the next day. I was walking around um, Madison Square Park in New York and I see what looks like a standalone toilet with a door and some buttons on the outside. I'm like, oh my God, are you trying to tell me that this actually exists in New York City and had no idea. And this is what I'm talking about when your world starts to open up because you've had this experience one place and all of a sudden your eyes are able to see it exist in another place that you never imagined. So I'm like, oh my God. So I ran over and of course they charge because hello, it's the US. It's like 25 cents. So I put my 25 cents and I press the button. The door opens exactly like it did in Paris. It's not as clean. It definitely does not smell good, but I walk in, close the door. Of course, I don't sit down. I do my business. And then when I leave, the door opens and closes and I hear it start to wash up. And I'm like, oh my God, it's almost exactly like the one in Paris, except they charge. Because I know if they didn't charge, then I don't know, the homeless would probably be like making it its home, you know. But it was hilarious to me that that even existed. And this is what I'm talking about. It's like my world was starting to open up and I was starting to see things that I didn't see before, you know, simply because I was closed off and we all are. I mean, essentially it's like our days are so busy and we're so, we get so stuck in in the routine of life that it's very rare that we step ourselves out of our routine and do things differently. And that's what this whole experience was about. So that was pretty fun. So I get home And Fearless Act number five, I was like, you know, again, I was teaching all of these classes. I was pretty exhausted and I was like, hmm, what is my Fearless Act going to be today? And this is around seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, I think it was like during the week, if I remember. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to introduce myself to all my neighbors. And that's another thing. I didn't have a list because, again, I wanted this to be very spontaneous. I wanted to, although I did have an idea around some of the things I wanted to do. Like, I definitely wanted to pose nude. I wanted to experience what that was like. Um, I definitely thought about trying on a wedding dress as a single person. I wanted to experience that. And the reason I'm giving you all of these um, ideas is because how I incorporated them through the entire journey is what's so fascinating because you'll see, you'll, you'll begin to hear how one thing then leads to another, then leads to another huge thing. Um, simply because I started small again, cause I was just tackling what seemed to be the most pressing fear at the moment. And then I was like, hmm, I can handle a little bit more. Let me try this, you know, that kind of thing. So, okay. Come and knock on my door was, um, was day five. And so let me explain to you. Um, like I said, in episode one, I had been living in this apartment in Astoria, Queens. This was the second time. And when I mentioned that I moved to New York for the first time to pursue music, I quit the corporate job. I show up in Queens. 
And I, you know, have this totally different life. I'm, you know, working all these odd jobs. I'm really depressed and miserable because things aren't working out that a way that the way that I wanted. And um, so much so that I finally had like this breakdown. And uh, it was during that breakdown, which I had mentioned um, actually in last week's episode that I got mugged. And what's interesting about that point in my life was this is before I opened the door to my spiritual journey. Um, So prior to that, after a year and a half of pursuing music, I, I was trying so hard. And there's this idea around you've just got to work really hard and all your dreams are going to come true and you've just got to push 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 and you know work the hardest I mean I was just talking about this with somebody you know Lady Gaga you know accepted her Academy Award and what did she say was like it's about hard work blah blah blah. I mean we are like beaten over the head with like this idea that all you got to do is work hard and your dreams will be fulfilled and for me I was working my ass off. I was doing everything that I possibly could to, you know, to get myself out there to be this big successful artist. And it just didn't seem to be working. And, and the part that is missing here and the part that I really want to nail in is that I was miserable. I was miserable because everything was about what is, the external validation here. So if people, if I didn't get enough people at my shows, I was depressed. If I'm, you know, reaching out to this so-and-so and and they're not responding, I was depressed. So everything was based around, you know, this person's not um, responding. I'm not getting enough people to my shows. I'm this age. This person just got a record deal. Why can't I? I was a victim. I was a victim and I was wallowing in that victimhood and I was a wreck. But on the surface, if you saw me, I was fine. It was just I was a wreck behind closed doors, as most of us are. <laughs> and I was struggling. I was really struggling. So about a year and a half in, um, my one of my best friends who was living in New York was going to move back to L.A. So it was her goodbye dinner. And I was really feeling that hard because the one piece of home was now going to be going away And I was like, what am I going to do? How do I keep this together? And I was walking from the subway with my um, iPod on. So I was listening to music. I was distracted. And I felt somebody grab me. And like I said, I was so in this like wallowing space that the grab didn't feel necessarily aggressive. So I thought maybe somebody was, somebody I knew was just grabbing me and going to give me a big hug. Like that's how disillusioned I was and I so I didn't resist it and the next thing I know um she pushed me down and my mind split right which is what happens when you experience trauma you go into fight or flight and my mind was telling me this was all a dream and I was fine and I didn't feel anything and I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna realize that I'm totally fine and meanwhile what was happening was they there was four girls and they attacked me And, um, when I woke up out of that state, I heard somebody's phone drop and I turned and that's when I realized, whoa, this is actually happening. And they took my purse and they started running. And for some reason I yelled back, Hey, can I at least have my wallet back? 
I don't know why, but there was something about like, you can't take everything from me. And I also had my keys attached to that. And so there was something about like, at least I can get into my apartment for some reason that meant something to me. And, and for whatever reason, one of the girls threw my wallet back with my keys and I grabbed my keys. I went to stand up and that's when I realized my heel was broken and I couldn't really walk. And I start to walk up the stairs and I don't even know what I was sounding like, but it was, I mean, if you've never experienced trauma, I don't know if this is different for, for, from everybody or for everybody, but for me, I, I just remember feeling like I need to go home. I need to walk into that apartment. I need to just go home. Like I felt so, you're so overwhelmed with like what just happened and I just need to find like safety. Like I need to find safety. So I opened the door and again, I don't know what I was sounding like, but all of a sudden my roommates and this is late at night. My roommates come out and because I must have been like, I don't know, in like just an insane state in terms of like the crying and things. And I remember going to the bathroom, shutting the door and looking at myself in the mirror. And I had never seen myself beaten up before. Um, and my nose was bleeding. And it was like everything that I had been feeling up until that point was staring right at me in my face. It's like all the things that I was trying to just hide from the world was staring right at me in my face and I couldn't hide and I broke down and I was hysterical. I was like, I didn't know what happened. Um, vaguely I understood what happened, but it was, devastating on a lot of levels because I had was such in a vulnerable state like I'd already felt like I lost somebody that was leaving me I then at like the lowest point that's when these people attacked me at my most vulnerable um but I couldn't even comprehend that at the moment in the moment I was just like processing it all like what like what like somebody like somebody just attacked me like this is so cliche and what what you know I just was so in a daze and I, I anyways they were so comforting and the police came and I remember <laughs> this is so funny but this is a little detail which the universe is gonna throw which is that the cop that came over was super hot <laughs> it was like I mean it was like I'm telling him this story and at the same time I'm like oh maybe this is why it happened I'm supposed to meet this cop <laughs> Of course. Um, but no, but he was so really sweet and comforting. And uh, I remember my roommate at the time looking at me like we both thought the same thing because he was just way too cute. Um, anyway, so they left. I go back into my room and that experience gave me permission to just cry it out and to just be in that space of I guess, you know, grieving, um, grieving a dream that I just wasn't ready to let go of. It also gave me permission to let myself feel it, like the deep pain and the struggle and how hard it was. And I, I wasn't able to be in a space of joy of any of it. It was just so hard. I've put so much pressure on myself to succeed, you know, because of my age. I really had so much pressure around being that age and finally pursuing my dreams. And I wanted it to be a success story. I was like, I want it to take me a year. You know, I had all these expectations um, that, you know, I had to go through and that felt 
they were aligned with where I was at the moment. So I don't regret it. And that experience, you know what they say, like the universe, you know, it starts as a whisper and then it gets louder and louder until like it will force you to deal with your shit. Like you can't just run. You can't just escape it. You can't just pretend that it doesn't, it's not there. Um, and for me, I, in that moment, the universe did me a favor because I was fine. I didn't have to go to the hospital. I had a little bloody nose, but for the most part, I mean, I was very grateful that it was women and not men that did that. I was very grateful that I had roommates to support me. I was very grateful that I could wake up the next morning and, you know, process that. And that was, it took like the, it was a season of, I remember it was around summertime and it took me that whole three months to, I stopped trying. I did the opposite of what I was doing before. I completely let go of every expectation I had and I just let myself grieve. And, you know, I want to, you know, it's interesting because when I look at where I was at that time, our parents and our family, they want so much to keep us from feeling any pain. So had I been at home, it would have been harder for me to really experience that level of pain because they want to put a bandaid on you. They want you to be happy. And, and I just knew that I had to sit with it for a while and it was going to get better, but there was something also really vulnerable about that period of my life. Like I was going to restaurants by myself. I was, I stopped trying to make friends. I stopped trying in every regard. I was like, I'm just going to be present. And New York was beautiful at that that time of the year and it really I felt this deeper connection and this deeper love to that city because I felt so supported even though I had that traumatic experience it's kind of interesting and I think what I mean by that is I didn't have to make any plans I could just walk you know if I was done teaching I could walk around and observe you know people and explore life and feel like I was engaged in life even though I wasn't trying in any way and that really helped me and by the end of you know the three months once that season was over I really was able to take a deep breath and kind of get back to back to who I was and that's when I started to seek a therapist and really work through some of this stuff um and it broke me open in every possible way, in every positive way. So I gave you that background a little bit so you understand that I had left um, that apartment for a period of time when I went back to a corporate job, right? Because it got really bad and I was like, you know what? I don't need my days free like an actor. I can, you know, still work, get paid and pursue my music um, as well. And so I went back to a corporate job and I moved out to the Upper East Side and of course, I hated that job and was like, how am I back in this place again? You know, and patterns exist in our life to teach us lessons. And if you don't learn the lesson, you're just going to come back to that pattern. And that's exactly what happened. And I spent the next two and a half years trying to figure out what I was going to do to get myself out of that job because I had the same job that I was doing um, in L.A., but in New York, I was working for Spike Television. So getting back to I'm at Spike after two years, I had started this whole deep dive into my spiritual journey. I'm reading all these books. I'm shifting my, you know, my thoughts. I'm shifting my, you know, focus. I'm doing gratitude lists. I mean, 
it's a whole process and a whole journey to get to a place where I felt confident enough in my trusting of myself and my faith in the universe and and knowing that if I left this job and really pursued something that I loved, that I would be supported. So I was at Spike and my um, old roommate, who was still in Astoria at the time, at this point I was moving, I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and I didn't really love it. And I was afraid to leave my job because I was making decent money and I was like, I don't want to go back and to like not have a job. Like, how do I do that? You know? And, um, my roommate at the time said, you know, what if you move back to this apartment in Astoria, you can have cheap rent and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, you know, that was so appealing to me. Cause then I can leave that job, that spike job. And I can really, cause at that point I had done teacher training. Um, I didn't know how I was going to be a teacher, how I was going to make a living, but I had done it. And I was like, you know, what if I just went for it and started auditioning and getting jobs and what would that feel like? And this would give me this opportunity. I wouldn't have the high rent and I can just, um, leave this job, which felt so suffocating and awful. So I did it. I moved back to Astoria, I quit my spike job with no job to go to, which is another fearless act, but I had tremendous faith. Um, in the universe at that time that I was co-creating my life. And if I take this leap that I knew I would be okay. I just knew it. I just had that knowing and I had developed a real trusting of my own intuition and my inner guidance. Um, and I was right in that I quit that job. I ended up getting just a part-time waitressing job for about, it took about nine months for me to, um, feel confident enough where I started to get teaching gigs and, um, and then I ended up teaching full time after that. So it's been quite a journey, but at this time I had moved back for the second time and I was like, I'm only going to be here for a few years. I remember thinking that, um, because there was something also very triggering about going back to where I first started and living there again. And I just, oh, I was like, somebody get me out of this apartment I was 40. I was like, I don't want to be in this apartment anymore, but I'm doing this fearless journey. Let me introduce myself to all my neighbors and who knows who I'll meet. You know, that's what I'm thinking. So again, it's around seven o'clock at night. I'm like, it's going to take me maybe 30 minutes tops. Now this was a building that had, I guess, five apartments on each floor and there were five floors. I was on the third at the time. So I'm like, oh, this will be easy. No big deal. I'll knock on the door, introduce myself, and then I'll be done in like a half an hour. I'll make myself dinner and call it a night. You know. <laughs> and again, this was another surprise where it's like you have an expectation of how something's going to go and it's not how it goes. So I start on the fifth floor and then I start to feel my heart racing. I'm like, what is this? Like, and that's how fear shows up, right? It's a physical reaction. I'm starting to get anxious. Like, what am I actually going to say when this person opens the door? Like, because I thought it was going to be this easy thing. And then my body's telling me, wait a second, you're feeling vulnerable. You're feeling self-conscious. Like, it's not so easy to just knock on a stranger's door and be like, hey, I've been living here for years. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? You know, so I knock on the door. Nobody answers. I make my way around on the fifth floor and nobody's home. I'm like, okay, I'll go to the fourth floor. I go on the fourth floor. Now my heart is beating even faster because I'm starting to hear voices. So I'm knowing people are home and I'm like, what am I going to say? This is a stupid idea. Maybe I should just abort the mission and just call it a night and skip a day. But I was like, no, 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 I have to do this. I have to fulfill what it is what I wanted to do. So I knock on a door and, and nobody answers. And then I knock on another door again, nobody answers. But I hear voices. So now I'm feeling self-conscious like, 
why aren't people answering the door? And then I'm thinking, well, would I answer the door if I didn't know or I wasn't expecting anybody, you know? So I'm having all this like internal dialogue in my head and I get to the third floor. I knock on a door. Finally, somebody answers and it's this young girl and I'm like, hi, I'm Charlene. She's like, hi. And I'm like, I just wanted to introduce myself. I live in the building. And she's like, oh, did you just move in? I'm like, uh, actually, no. I give her the whole story. That This is the second time I've lived there. I'm like, no, I've been here a few years. But I just realized I wanted to, you know, take a moment and introduce myself and say hello. And she's like, oh, that's so nice. I don't know anybody in the building. And I'm like, I know. Well, now you know me. And she's like, okay. So she shuts the door. And I'm like, all right, that was, that was good. That wasn't so bad. So I make my way. Oh, and I should mention that on, um, um, the fourth floor, the apartment above us was this guy that would play. He would blast this techno, awful techno club music like at all hours of the night. We hated this guy. We used to take our our broomsticks and like, you know, hit the top of the ceiling to get him to stop. This guy didn't give a shit. He was always playing his music. And luckily I was in the side bedroom, so I didn't get it so loud. But Michael, my roommate at the time, got it really bad. And we just, we hated this guy. So I have to mention, I skipped I skipped his apartment. I did not want to know or introduce myself um, at that time to this guy. I was like, I don't want to see him. I don't even want to know. So I skip his apartment. I go down to the third floor and then, or no, to the second floor. Um, and now I'm hearing um, other people. I'm knocking on the door. And then I hear people stop, contemplate if they're going to get the door. And they don't get the door. And I'm like, God, now I'm feeling like, ah. I don't understand. They don't even know who I am. Why are they rejecting me? You know, <laughs> all the things that we say to ourselves, right? So I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling a little discouraged. I'm feeling like, what is the point of this? And I get to the final door on the first floor, knock on the door. This woman opens a mom and she's got her two young boys side on each side of her. And I'm like, hi, I just wanted to say I'm Charlene. I live on the third floor and I just wanted to introduce myself. And she stopped and she's like, oh, well, come right in. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, she literally threw me for a loop. I'm like, come right in. Like that feeling of pure love, that just that pure, like not only am I opening my door to you? I'm asking and inviting you in was so shocking to me because I had my, my guard up at that point. And so it almost, it made me cry a little. I was like, oh, and then she's like, hi, I'm, and I can't remember her name. And she's introducing myself to, or she's introducing me to her two young children. And, um, oh, and by the way, I said, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I, you know, I'm, I appreciate that. Thank you for inviting me in. But I, I just wanted to say hello. And then she says to me, if you ever need anything, let us know. And I was like, oh, my God, this woman is like an angel. <laughs> you know, and, I, and that made the whole experience worth it. And I should add that like months later after that, of course, I would see her from time to time, you know, and we would say hello, and she was just so sweet. But months later, around Christmas time, I get a knock on my door, and I open the door, and it's one of her kids, and he's handing me a little bag of Christmas cookies. And I look over on the stairwell, and I see the mom, and she's waving. She's like, we just want to say happy Merry Christmas and, you know, happy holidays. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so sweet. And really, she wasn't doing it to every apartment building, but she did it for me because now we know each other. So I will encourage you all to go out and introduce yourself to your neighbors because you too could be getting hand, you know, made Christmas cookies or something. But really the point being is like, we are living next to people that we don't even know. 
And how hard is it to just knock on someone's door and extend, you know, some love? And really that's what she did. And to have been received so warmly by her caught me off guard and also made me realize that when we think we're doing a stupid thing or, or extending ourselves into a certain way or really opening our heart, it's like, actually, no, you're doing the right thing. And had I given up, had I just been like, oh, forget about it, I would have never met her and never had that beautiful exchange. And what I learned throughout the journey, and you'll hear as um, I continue with these podcast episodes, is often the miracle would happen right before I was ready to give up. So just think about that for a moment. Like, and often people say that, um, which is, you know, you go, you go, you go, you think you're not getting anywhere, and then you give up right before the miracle. And that is what I experienced over and over and over again, um, which, you know, is kind of re-inspiring me right now to um, think about some things that I'm wanting to let go of and going, hmm, am I really wanting to let go of them because that's how I truly feel or am I just frustrated because I'm not receiving the outcome that I want? And how can I, how can I show up differently with that intention without expecting a certain outcome, you know, because, you know, it's that expectation that we have that really is the thing that gets us nowhere. And often if we just acted on our impulses, on that pure hearted intention, um, the act of doing is enough. Just the simple act of extending yourself and listening to your gut and going out into the world and showing up in this way is enough. And it makes you feel good. So by the end of the day, when you're ready to go to sleep, you feel like, oh, I gave something of myself. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, in my classes, um, I sing in Shavasana. So I'll put on my, like I have recorded myself, my acoustic guitar to one of my songs. And I'll sing. And simply because that's a part of me and that's an extension of who I am and I offer it as this is my gift and I will never stop doing it. And, you know, in the beginning I was so nervous and scared, like, am I going to be too loud? Is people probably won't like it? You know, all of the negativity that I hold within, you know, being an artist and all that stuff, it shows up all the time. And after a while I stopped caring about whether or not people responded to it and just thought, no, this is, this is for me. This is, you know, letting the universe, letting God know, like you gave me this gift and I will never stop sharing it. And oftentimes it's in those moments when I'm ready to like not sing. And then I do it anyway, that I'll receive this, like somebody will come up to me with like tears in their eyes, like saying something so beautiful. And I don't do it for that, but it's, I could stop myself from even sharing it simply because I'm like, no, I don't know. Maybe it's too intrusive. Maybe I'm too loud. Maybe people won't like it. You know, all of that stuff that we do that stops us self, stops us from sharing our gifts with the world, like sharing who we really are. And that's what the world needs is who you really are. And so this process and this journey was such an awakening for me to get in back, to get back into that space of, I have a pure intention here and I'm going to honor it. And it may not be receptive to everyone, but that doesn't matter. Like how I feel as I enter a space and I enter a room and I enter these specific fearless acts really is the most important thing. And I, I knew it because at the end of them, I would feel so much better. 
So that is the end of this episode of the Fearless Journey, or sorry, the Fearless Lady podcast. And as always, I want to offer you the opportunity to take this fearless journey with me um, as your fearless guide, as your fearless coach. Um, And as I mentioned, you know, taking this journey will be exploring different things that not only that scare you, but also that invite more fun and joy into your life. Because that really, you know, it's the same kind of feeling when you step into fear and you go on the other side of that fear. There's this adrenaline and this ex- this um, excitement about it because you're like, oh, I accomplished something. It's the same thing when you do something fun and you do something different. You're like, oh, it like cracks open a part of you that's been dormant and you're able to see the world differently, see yourself differently, and then have a new insight and a new experience. And it really is so powerful. So if you're feeling called to do that, I'm going to, I'll share the link below um, in the show notes so you can take a look at that. And it's a free discovery call. It's just a conversation with me, a way to even decide if this is something that you want to do right now. And then I also want to offer you, I have a few spots left to my yoga retreat to the south of France, Provence, and it's going to be amazing. I mean, I really, France, as you know, Paris was the start of this journey, is such a special place for me. I hold so much love for that place. And you get to not only travel to the south of France and have this beautiful yoga retreat with me, but we can also um, spend a weekend in Paris together, which is going to be amazing because I love Paris and it's so beautiful and I just know you'll love it too. So I will add that link to the show notes as well. And if you have any questions about anything or you just want to reach out and say hello and let me know how you're liking these episodes, I would love to hear from you. So um, just reach out to me. I'm on Instagram or you can send me an email on my website. I'll also include those links in the show notes as well. And today I'm going to leave you with a song that um, was born out of the inspiration to quit that job, that Spike TV job, and really leap into the unknown. And it's called Walking on Freedom. Mm-hmm.